0: This week's episode is brought to you by scare
1: All natural body care products so good, they're scary.
0: What's going on?
1: To an all new Zompire Horde Podcast where I your host, Vlad the Rad, and my good friends Michelle of the Dead and Patrick Von Smithenstein. Hang out weekly and talk rad stuff. And this week we got an awesome guest, Ross Allison. Uh paranormal Patty, why don't you do the introductions?
2: Oh man, throwing me on the spot. Totally Hell cow. yeah. I don't do this. Uh, <laughs> I'm horrible at introductions. Uh, this week, we have the one, the only, the uh, rock star of the Pacific Northwest for Paranormal Investigations, Mr. Ross Allison. I cannot be happier to have you on the show. Um, you, uh, I'm going to scream from the rooftops for a minute and make you blush. Um, you are uh, probably the uh, most credible and uh, down to earth and uh, realistic paranormal investigator that I've ever encountered in my life. Um, I just can't be more excited to have you on board to chat about your life, a ghost, your adventures, and everything else going on. So welcome to the Zompire podcast, Ross.
3: Yay! i'm assuming you're gonna send me a bill for that opening right <laughs> oh yeah
2: yeah 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 um yeah We're a non-profit it's, not gonna, it's not gonna be cheap either okay
1: yeah. <laughs> melissa says hey and i just want to point out it actually shows her picture with her name on the bottom and i know nice. it's really really cool. oh
2: yeah. somebody Melissa's, upgraded
0: melissa is our number one fan
1: yeah. she is our number one fan awesome yeah. so ross uh tell us a little bit about i mean we know i could say that you're a producer a documentarian, a paranormal specialist is what I would say because I'm far from that. Uh, you, you run Spooked in Seattle. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Spooked because I'm really excited. I believe that's where you're going live from. So let's you start there. you Author too. Oh, Author as well, Yeah, can so <laughs> not yeah,
2: yeah. forget that. There's a
1: lot um, of titles many in different
3: there. different projects there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm actually at Scoop in Seattle. This is our headquarters where we run a lot of our tours in the Seattle area. We're in the heart of Seattle in Pioneer Square where it all begun for Seattle, the historic district. And uh, we actually have a little death museum right behind me. So you can actually see my collection of very morbid things from haunted objects uh, I also have death memorabilia from morning dresses to morning jewelry, uh, vintage coffins from the 1800s. Um, I have a lot of um, embalming stuff. And then I also talk a lot about the uh, morbid customs that people would do like you know uh, postmortem photography, which I'm, I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Yes. so we got a lot of that uh, going on here and you know the, a lot of people just come to see the the creepy stuff that we have as well like the, the mr creepy right behind me here sounds like i need to hey. start
1: charging people to come to my house
0: i mean <laughs> same same you guys have been to my house yet either so i was there once uh for a halloween krampus event and i had a little table that i was vending at and i noticed that there was like a vast collection of ouija boards there are those yours yes Oh, my gosh. This is such a small world. You guys and the world don't know this, but my boys know um, that I went to I went to high school with Ross. We didn't like hang out or anything, but I know we had a class together. You were very, very quiet (laughs) and um, you kept to yourself and, you know,
3: you're kind of like me in the back. What was that? (laughs) And who knew I'd just grow up to be a ghost hunter? huh? (laughs) <laughs> I mean,
0: so so. how did you how did you start? I mean, how old were you when you started? I mean, you had to have had an interest at a very young age. But when did you actually start getting into this whole like like really diving in, how did this happen for you?
3: Well, you know, my origin story is, in fact, that yes, I, ever since I was a little kid, I was fascinated with the paranormal because my mother loves ghost stories. So I grew up listening to these stories and was very fascinated with them. So that sparked that curiosity into this field. And then um what really uh, where I took the big jump was when I had moved to California in the 90s. And I actually um, started doing ghost tours, you know, really getting involved in that. And then plus um, Lloyd Auerbach, who is another well-known uh, parapsychologist in the, in the field. And he was actually in the Bay Area. So I had learned about a lot of his lectures and classes. And so I had the opportunity to learn from him. Because you got to understand, when I got involved in this field, ghost hunting was not the thing.
0: It's not a thing yeah, like it, it is was. now. Yeah.
3: So people, you know, you had really literally a very small handful of big names in the field that were actually out there ghost hunting. And so it was something that you really didn't talk about or even tell your friends that you were doing this because most people would just ignore you and think you're a wackadoo, you know? Yeah. So I (laughs) in the closet. And so when I moved back to Washington back in 2000, um, I had an opportunity to, you know, continue my fascination with ghosts, but there was no ghost hunting groups in Washington at the time. So I, what happened was um, I, you know, it was Halloween. I wanted to do some ghost hunting. So I'm like, you know, call out, all my buddies, say, hey, guys, you know, there's a really cool cemetery down the street. Let's go check it out. And they're like, yeah, but all my friends, they want to hit the bars first and then go to the cemetery. Right. So, you know, a bunch of drunks in a cemetery is not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so a friend of mine just said, why don't you start your own group? So I did. I started a ghost and it just really took off from there.
1: What does That's a ghost awesome. stand for?
3: What's up? What does a ghost stand for? The advanced ghost hunters of Seattle Tacoma. Ooh. I love it.
1: I like yeah. it. Uh
3: <laughs> well, I love a question. it. Have you <laughs> been
1: coast to coast? I'm assuming they're asking coast to coast, meaning have you like ghost hunted coast to coast?
0: No, no, oh, no. Uh, coast to coast AM the state. It's a it's a uh pu- Uh, It's a, it's a show on um, like public radio, right?
3: It's one of the the biggest paranormal talk show, uh, talk radio shows. And I've been on that quite a few times, but I've also, I've been all over the world. I've been to all 50 uh, states doing investigations. I've been all over the world investigating places. In fact, I may take an opportunity to go back to Scotland and do some really cool investigations I've been invited to. So it's been an exciting adventure. What's a,
1: what's a good, give us one of your like favorite stories. Kind of like a, you, you were there and, and, you know, something exciting happened. Like I need a, I need a real good one.
3: Well, (laughs) there's a lot to talk about, but um, I know what a lot of people love to hear is um, one of my uh, personal experiences. um, One of my scariest personal experiences. What Um, I'm looking for. Yeah. That's what I want. I lecture all over uh, as well at colleges and universities. And when I do my lecture at these colleges, I'll do a ghost hunt on the campus afterwards. So I'll take the students on a ghost hunt of their campus and they'll take me to all their you know haunted hotspots. Well, I was invited to lecture at St. Louis University. And St. Louis University is where the true exorcist case took place oh now i was unaware of this at the time when i was invited the first time to lecture there so when they took me you know to one of the buildings that is haunted they started sharing all these stories with me and i'm just like oh my god are you really is this this really happened and it did i did all the research and found that it all really happened there now the building they take me to is right next to the church that was involved in the exorcism all right Now, the story is actually about a little boy, not a little girl named Linda Blair, just so you know. (laughs) And uh, they gave him the name Robbie to protect his identity. And he was brought to the campus. He was actually brought to the church. Now, the church um, felt that they could not do a full exorcism on the boy in the church because this could possibly kill him. So they had performed multiple exorcisms on this boy due to the belief that it's not just one demon. It's multiple demons that they believe that, you know, are possessing the individual. So they take me to the building that's right next to the church and the church at the time had owned this building. They had now sold it to the campus. But when they did own that building, they used to run, you know, Sunday schools up there. They had uh, uh, nuns lived upstairs on on the fourth floor. And this is where a lot of the activity happens is on the fourth floor. So they take me to the fourth floor And we're kind of walking around and I'm, you know, surprised it's huge up there. You know, I can see the old classrooms that they taught the Sunday school, like, you know, rooms that the nuns lived in. And they pointed out one of the rooms where a nun had committed suicide. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great, you know, a nice good lead here. And we just go through all these different rooms. And I'd asked, I said, you know, why doesn't the campus utilize this space? Because, you know, they could do all kinds of stuff. They have classrooms up there. And they said that they've had so many problems on the fourth floor that they've completely abandoned it. And so I'm like, okay, it's interesting. And when they say problems, they're referring to paranormal problems. So we continue to walk around and we get into this one room. And as soon as I walk into the room, I heard this crunch underneath my feet. And I kind of looked down and I realized, oh, I'd stepped on a dead bird. Now that wasn't unusual for me. I've been in a lot of abandoned places and you run into dead animals every so often. So I really didn't think much of it, but I did kind of kick it over to the side. So no one else would step on it. But then when I shined my light through the rest of the room, I was surprised to find that the room was just filled with dozens and dozens of dead birds. Whoa. Now, what made this odd for me was the fact that I had already been through most of the building and I had not come across any dead animals. And another thing that's odd about this is security had removed all the doors on the fourth floor. This made it easier for them to make their rounds, especially when they have a lot of problems with students constantly sneaking up there to scare each other. So security removed all the doors. So I'm realizing that these birds had access to the whole fourth floor. Why did they all choose to die in just this one room? We'll come to find out this is the room that the boy had stayed in. Oh, wow. Now, knowing at this point that they had most likely performed an exorcism in this room, yeah, creep factor's gone up a bit.
1: <laughs>
3: now, one of the things that I do is I give the students some of the basic equipment that they can use on a ghost hunt, and so we all gather in this room, and we're in this room for less than five minutes, when all of a sudden, all the equipment starts to go off at the exact same time. We're talking the temperature starts <coughs> to drop. And I can feel it getting colder, almost to the point where I'm expected to see my breath anytime soon. The EMF detector is going off like crazy and we can't figure out what's causing the EMF readings. Um, and then the compass is just spinning around and around and around, and it will not stop.
0: That would be the part that would scare me.
3: (laughs) And I'm just like, oh my God, this is really happening. So, you know, as a paranormal investigator, I got to document this. I got to prove that we are really experiencing this. And a photo is not going to prove that. So luckily, my camera shoots an infrared video as well. So I switch my camera over to video. I start filming the equipment going off, and I'm filming the students, and I'm trying to document Please. this the best that I can. And so I, I'm documenting this, and it starts to slow down a little bit. And I realize, okay, before it completely stops, I want to try for EVP. Now, if anybody's not familiar with EVP, that's electronic voice phenomena. So those are the voices that appear on our recorders that are not supposed to be there. So I'm starting to ask questions into the air and I get to the question, can you tell me whose room this is? There's about 12 seconds of silence. And then I start to hear crying to the left of me and I turn and I realize that a couple of the female students have started to cry because they're so terrified being in this room. Holy shit. And so I realized, okay, they're uncomfortable. I have to admit I'm uncomfortable too. I don't have my normal ghost hunting team. This is a bunch of college students just following me around. So for me, I'm always about safety first. I don't know what we're up against here. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. And I'm hoping that after the initial ghost hunt with the students, I can come back and do my own little investigation. So I didn't get a chance to go back and do an investigation that night. But when I finally got home after my lecture tour, I started to review all the evidence that I collected at all the campuses. And I got to that video And I got to the part where I'd ask, can you tell me whose room this is? To my surprise, I got two responses. Now, I will edit this. I don't want to offend anybody in your audience, but it basically said, F you, it's mine.
1: Well, you can go ahead and say, fuck you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what he said. Yeah. So that for me was probably one of the most interesting investigations.
1: And you know, with the, the whole terrifying. stigma of the movie too, with the, the immediate deaths after the filming and everything like that, to be in the actual room has gotta be like I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just hearing you tell that story.
0: Yeah, me so. too. <laughs> yeah. For sure.
2: I thought I was cool going to the stairs that the that they were filmed that when the when the priest go falls down the stairs. Like oh, I've man. been to those stairs. I thought that was cool, but you got me topped. <laughs> That's way <more laughs> cooler.
3: <laughs> um, I can even make the story better so after that um i had the opportunity to go back to the campus um, they invited me back for another you know paranormal event and this time what was interesting is this a few years had already passed and as i was talking to the student campus uh that plans the events i was telling them about my previous experience and said i would love to go back there you know can we get back there and they said well unfortunately they did remodel the fourth floor so they had opened it up to offices and stuff like that and there's a big meeting room up there and everything so i said well you <clears> know i'm <throat> going by memory and i'm trying to give them the best directions i can to where that room would have been because i would love to at least go back to that spot all right so come to find out yeah they remodeled to the fourth floor but they left that whole section untouched oh wow nice yeah they they blocked what it was their reasoning So that room is still there. And the only way to get to that room is you have to go up this, this creaky old staircase and you have the room. There's a couple attic spaces up there as well. And so that's the only way to get to that room. Okay. So we had the opportunity to go back and this time I was excited because they offered me some time to have my own private time there. And so I'd set up some equipment up in the room and I left it there for the night. So when I came back the next morning to retrieve my equipment, I was surprised when I played back the recordings. So after in this recording, I'm sorry, if I would have known I was going to tell this story, I would have sent you some of the audio clips you guys could have shared. But um, after we had left, you can hear us leaving the premise because you hear us all go down the stairs. After that, you can hear what sounds like doors opening and closing. You can hear somebody walking up and up in the area. All right. Then there's the sound of somebody pounding on a door and a female screaming, Let me out, let me out, let me out. Oh my oh, god. Wow. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: definitely want to hear that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um so that was wow. definitely an interesting place. And the reason why they left it untouched is because they do believe there is something there. In fact, security had stored their bikes up in that room for one point, And they'd say they'd come back and their bikes. The handlebars would be twisted around. The seat would be twisted around. The chains would be ripped off the bike. Yeah. yeah. So they basically oh, have just left it alone. Yeah.
2: That's time to just move on.
3: <laughs> no,
2: that would be, I definitely would want to go to that room. I'm not going to lie. I would, I would go hang out and try to figure out what's going on in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in in that story uh, and any other story that you could possibly ever tell, you um, you mentioned uh, data collecting and equipment. And uh, you and your team, are, when it comes to equipment and data collecting, are leaders of the pack. You guys, um, you guys uh, are you set you set the pace for what people should be doing. And within that you created your own uh, piece of equipment called Spectre. Um, and Spectre uh, is in its second iteration now, which was uh, revealed in Parasense, which we'll get to later. But I would love to hear um, how Spectre came about and um, how it's revolutionized what you do in the out on the field for your paranormal investigations, how it's made it easier, um, what kind of, uh data you've been able to collect outside with specter that you weren't able to get in the
3: past definitely um well specter came to me because i've always been more scientific in my approach and trying to validate these encounters um i think the secret to my success is i've always been very open and honest in my approach um you know it's funny too because you bring that up and you know it seems like every ghost hunter out there has got, you know, hundreds of, you know, terrifying stories that they could share with the audience. Be honest with honestly guys have been in this field for over, you know, 30 years, and I probably maybe have five, you know, and wow. that's just because, you know, I, I'm very open and honest with, you know, what I have to share with you guys now. And on that comment, you know, I, it's also the same in how I try to collect the data that's needed to support what we believe or what could be happening out there um and i think that's one of the things that we've really failed in this field is because if you look at the television shows ghost hunting is very popular a lot of networks have their own ghost hunting shows and the shows have been on for what going on almost 20 years now or even i think it's 20 years now
0: god it's been that long
3: yeah. yeah and the technology hasn't changed hardly at all the the way they investigate hasn't changed hardly at all it's just the same thing over and over and over again and it's been very frustrating for me because the fact of the matter is and i've been approached by networks you know wanting you know having me on their show and they and i really try to bring more science to it and they tend to poo-poo the idea because they believe that the science the data is boring you know Mm. they they want You know, the drama, the instant drama, uh, because that's what the audience is expecting to see when they watch these shows. And so, you know, for me, I wanted to put together something that helps us to understand the environment. Because what people don't seem to understand is there is no such thing as a ghost meter. There's nothing out there that's gonna tell you, yes, you have a ghost in your home. I wish there was. There's people that claim that they have devices that do this, but a lot of it, just to be honest with you, is suggestive. Right. So I wanted to have something that that read the environment because that is the most important thing that we have to understand. What is happening in the environment when people have these encounters? And so the best thing that we can do as ghost hunters is just collect a bunch of different devices that help us to understand temperature, EMF, you know, barometer, all these different elements that, that help us to record that, to let us know that when something that we claim is paranormal happening, that we can see if there's any changes in the environment to validate that. That is our first step in trying to understand what is happening in the paranormal field. We need that data. Yeah. We're just going to be running around chasing ghost stories. And most of the ghost stories that we do here tend to be made up or dramatized. It just takes us down too many dead end roads. We need the data to help uh, help advance us. And so I just basically started to research, trying to find out you know what kind of equipment out there was you know reading the environments. And so I had come up with the whole spectre system, which was a bunch of different sensors that you put in a controlled environment, and it just read the environment and it let us know if anything was changing in the environment that we couldn't explain. And there was just a lot of interesting things that we were getting with that. Huh. And since, you know, Spectre started becoming, you know, more successful in collecting the data that a lot of ghost hunters were not collecting, you know, I'm, I'm collecting information that these guys are not even collecting. And so once we got to the point where, as we were, you're going to talk about, you know, uh, Parasense or my documentary. Um, It really expanded from there because I had the opportunity to work with a very gifted scientist who saw the value inspector and was able to, um, I, I, I guess, update it and advance it to a point where it was able to collect more data and also give us a better understanding of the environment. Because now for the first time in history, we can track phenomena, which Hmm. no one has ever been able to do or has ever tried. So that was another big uh, groundbreaking thing with Parasense.
1: Real quick, Ross, uh, we did have a question come in. I I know that you'd have an answer for Nick the Zombie, who if you've been to Crypticon at all, you've probably met or seen him there. Um, He has some ghost investigating equipment, but doesn't know what places would be okay to go that are accessible for a wheelchair or just scooting around in Washington. Do you have any uh, suggestions for our buddy
3: Zombie Nick? Well, there's lots of places, you know, even, and I, and I hate to plug my book, but there's a whole purpose of, purpose of writing my book, right. was to give um, an audience uh, great locations to uh, pursue, especially if you have limitations. You know, cemeteries are always great. I love going to cemeteries, and people are always like, why would a cemetery be haunted, you know? But people tend to forget that uh, cemeteries were a lot different back in the day. Mm-hmm. People visited cemeteries a lot more. Um, so there is also the belief of being attached to your body and not being able to let go of your body. So there's a whole nother reason why cemeteries could be haunted. So, you know, when you have access to, to places like that, where you can capture some great phenomena, one of the first time I ever saw a physical orb with the naked eye was in a cemetery. I watched a ball of light shoot from a a tombstone and float right behind another tombstone. Oh, wow. So- so just yeah. so
1: they know, uh, what's your book called, and where can they get it?
3: Um, if you're in the Washington area, Spooked in Seattle is a great uh, book. But also, um, too, I do like to focus on a lot of public places, places that are usually open to the public. Um, so, any of my books in the haunted series that I did with uh, David Weatherly, I usually cover a couple local places as well, right? Uh, to get access to some places. So, nice. you know, there's a lot of great haunted hotels. You know, if you want to check into some of the haunted rooms and have access to that for the night, that's always a great uh, thing to do as well. You know, that's that's how I started out was doing cemeteries and checking into haunted rooms at hotels.
1: That yeah, I've been watching a lot of um, television shows that have the haunted room thing going on and uh, it's been probably one of my most frightening things, because typically when you go into a hotel room, you know, you, you're there for the weekend or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And you go in and you're just like, oh, it's the well, whatever in or whatever. And then the next thing you know, you start having things happening while you're there. And like, what the hell is going on? I think oh, yeah. court that Hotel Cortez one was one I just watched recently. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. man, i like to think about just normal people in hotels are weirdos. Like, you know what I mean. Like now you got to <laughs> start worrying about supernatural stuff if the building's too old. And I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to relax. Leave me alone, ghosts. Um,
1: but that does lead me into Melissa's question, uh, which is, do you go into investigations? I mean, I, I would think open-minded, but do you go in with a like a level of skepti- skepticism? Skept-
3: you, are you skeptical? Both. You have to go in with uh, with both having an open mind because we don't have all the answers, right? You know, uh, a lot of people want to say that they're experts in the paranormal field, but it really doesn't come from, you know, I'm just saying that I've been ghost hunting for, you know, 20 years plus, it really comes from experience. Because even though you say, yeah, I've been investigating for 20 years, how often are you actually going out and investigating? Cause it's getting out in the field. That's going to really give you the experience, right? You know, so when I say, you know, I've been investigating for over 30 years. Yeah, I'm pretty much going out there almost every weekend, you know, checking out places. Yeah,
0: it's not like you're going once every 10 years. <laughs>
3: exactly. You know, something I've been, been investigating for 30 months. years, but I've gone twice. I've been
0: doing it for 30 years. I've gone yeah. thrice. Right. <laughs> exactly.
3: It really That's comes funny. from experience, you know, because I can have the best evidence out there and saying, yeah, here's a ghost walking up to the camera going, boo, I'm a ghost. Believe me, it's right. a ghost. But if you are, you know, skeptical you're just gonna judge my credibility. You really have to get out there and have the experience for yourself. That's gonna help you to understand or have an idea of what could be happening out there. So this really all does come from experience. I think when, that's what makes our ex- experts in the field.
1: When you first started out between then and now, obviously your knowledge grew and everything, but did you feel kind of like when you, like now that you you notice more or that you you acknowledge more around you?
3: yes you become more observant of your environment that's for sure yeah and that's something you should be you know if you if you're not a very observant person it's going to be more challenging for you to be a paranormal investigator because you really do have to be very observant I I imagine. go ahead
0: you have to be like more in tune with like the energies around you as well
3: well i i think sometimes that helps um i don't call myself a psychic or a sensitive now, I've had my moments where it's like, how the hell did I know that? Um, I think that is part of our system, you know, and our fight or flight system. That That is something we are built with, that we're born with. And I think that it's, it's part of our survival skills, you know, because we, you know, when we were back in the day out in the woods trying to survive, you wanted to know if there was a predator on you, you know? Right. So that's where it comes from where you can actually hear somebody, um, you know, behind you or feel like there's somebody watching you. So there's a reason for that. It's part of our survival skills. And that does apply when you actually go into a haunted place, you know, you can feel as if there is somebody watching you when there shouldn't be somebody there.
0: Your spidey senses pick it up. Yep. Oh
2: yeah. yeah. Um, earlier, uh, in, while you were, uh, chatting with one of your stories, you mentioned, um, uh, safety first. Uh, I've been I've been uh, on one investigation with you, and your uh, your attention to safety is phenomenal. Um, what like what kind of scenarios do you play through in your head, or have you experienced in the past to get you in tune with your safety? Because I know we when you go out on paranormal Investigator, you go to a lot of really dangerous places. Uh, I was on a old tugboat with you that had lots of rickety stairs and trip hazards and just things you could smack your head on. Um, did, Did the safety come to you like right away or were there experiences that you had that were like, okay, I need to start thinking about this? And like, how nerve wracking is it to be kind of responsible for everybody's safety when you have those kind of environments
3: well a lot of it comes from watching i hate to say bad investigators do really stupid things (laughs) in in places you know because there have been unfortunately very unfortunate events where people have ghost hunted and they've died you know they went to an abandoned place and walked out onto the floor and the floor didn't hold them up and they fell through the floor you know it happens you know Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be in a situation where I have to ghost hunt for you, okay? So (laughs) I definitely always want to make sure that, um, you know, especially when you're in charge of a volunteer organization, you never want to be in a situation where one of your volunteers gets hurt. Yeah. You know, and it's not always just a situation where it's just the, the location that you're investigating. Sometimes it's even the clients you're dealing with. I remember once where I was a guest investigator. I was invited out to help another team with their investigation. And so we get out to this place that's out in the middle of nowhere. All right. Literally, you know, cabin in the woods type of situation. <laughs> and as soon as we walk into his house, right behind us, he locks like the three deadbolts right behind us. But like this is how horror movies start out, okay? Yes, it is. And you, go, <laughs> and you start to go walking around through his, you know, property, you know, doing your readings and stuff. And you look, and you can see underneath the couch, there's a shotgun, you know. Or you go into the bathroom, and it looks like he cut an artery or something shaving, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I found myself in this situation, like I didn't feel safe because I'm stuck in this house with this guy that I don't even know. Yeah, And I, I started to ask the, the the team that I was helping out. I was like, did anybody do a walkthrough? No, we didn't do a walkthrough.
1: Or a background or, check? <laughs>
3: yeah, or anything. Try to, try to determine what kind of individual you're dealing with. Right. And, and you know, some, we have, you know, our clients send pictures of the environment before we go out and check it, you know, for an investigation just to see what we're walking into. And that was a situation where I told them, you know what, you need to tell them that we will, we have an emergency, we will come back and investigate later, just to get us out of that house. Wow. And that's what to do. Yeah.
0: Whatever came yeah. of that?
3: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it came that really, we never went, really
3: went back. Conversation <laughs> with that team ever again, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's tough because my biggest thing is I really want to educate people out there in the field. You know, if anything, learn from my mistakes. Let me give you the shortcuts. What works for us and what doesn't work for us. And um, so I am always willing to share my knowledge with anybody out there that's willing to, to listen. But unfortunately, due to the popularity of ghost hunting, you got far too many egos out there. And everybody's claiming to be experts in this field. And right. I don't even like to call myself an expert in this field because there's still so much we don't know. Even though you right. are. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll
2: call you the expert for you. <laughs>
3: Uh, Luke says he stayed at a house in Grayland,
1: which I have no idea if that's in Washington or not, many years ago. Not kidding. It was nuts. Uh, yep. The house in Grayland was straight out of a horror movie style. I would think that because most places and I was going to ask this kind of leads into a question I had, um, like the older, the more likely it is to have the spirits. And growing up on the East Coast, I'm kind of I don't want to say I don't believe in them. Right. Because that, that's not true. But I've, I would say I'm a skeptic. But I grew up on like the oldest part of the country and so do you do you notice that like maybe per square mile or whatever however you want to look at it like maybe the East Coast is a little bit more condensed with
3: well the East Coast there's a lot more history right but it's not to say that even on the west Coast we don't have history as well you right know, right you know, our roots go back to the Native Americans just like you know any other you know state in America. so there were you know civilizations here before us. Um, we just don't always acknowledge it or even think of it when we're doing investigations. People, you know, always want to assume that all ghosts are Victorian. And, oh. and they come from the Victorian era because that's where a lot of the big ghost stories came from. And, and that's not true. You know, um, there's a lot of false uh, hoods when it comes to ghosts. And um, that's one of the things I really try to correct in this field. You know, the biggest problem we have is when people are telling ghost stories or trying to claim that a place is haunted, like a haunted hotel, you know, they want to claim that the ghost is Elvis because he spent one night at this hotel. (laughs) It's just a money grab. Why? You know, I've spent many, many nights in hotels all over the world. I'm not going to, I can't even claim that there's one I would even want to go back to, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. So it's just it's interesting that um, a lot of ghost stories come from the fact that they want to tag it to you know somebody famous or some tragic event that happened there, but that ghost may not be involved in any of that. Right. You know, and we we tend to assume a lot more than we have the facts to back up what could be possibly going on in in these locations, and the biggest problem that we have is the fact that. Um, people don't spend enough time actually going back to places. Yeah. You know, we, we investigate a location once and that's it. And then we we'll, we're bored and want to move on to the next one.
2: Right.
3: You really do have to devote a lot more time <laughs> to some of these locations because we're not there when the, you know, people living on the property are there 24 seven. We're not there when the people that work on the property are there, you know, seven days a week, you know, it's just, it's a situation where it it is very time consuming. Mm -hmm. And most people nowadays, and I I hate to say this, but there's far too many uh, lazy ghost hunters, you know, (laughs) they want the instant gratification, they don't want to go back and watch 40 hours of video and audio. And, you know, have to comb through all that stuff to try and find something interesting.
1: Melissa well, would like would like haunted. us to know that uh, behind Ross, uh, the doll is haunted. Its face keeps changing. Mr. Creepy, is watching us. I was is just going to point creepy? that out.
2: Mr. Creepy was pointed out. Let's let's hear about Mr. Creepy.
3: Yes, Mr. Creepy, right here. Um, this gentleman is a, uh, ventriloquist, a ventriloquist doll made in the 1960s by a retired ventriloquist artist. In fact, Mia
2: oh yeah pulling Mr. Creepy out
3: I'm not pulling him out Oh, I'll show you some photos this is the guy who actually made Mr. Creepy oh wow back in his retirement years you can see some of his other dolls that he actually had made
1: oh those are creepy yeah. what a dapper fellow <laughs> Look, I look at, I try to find any excuse in the world to use the word dapper, so. Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> that was that a was fun word. Time. Yeah.
3: So I'll tell you why I don't bring out Mr. Creepy. Let me finish his story here. So he was made in the 1960s, uh, and that got gentleman's uh, retirement years. And he made that doll in his likeness, and he made a female counterpart in his wife's likeness. Now, what made these dolls extra creepy is they actually use their real hair on the dolls. Like their own Ah! hair. hair. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason why I don't bring them out of the case that often is because the hair is actually starting to fall out.
1: I'm gonna do one better and I'm gonna make one with my own finger. Yeah, that's that's the last finger.
0: (laughs) I still can't believe they let you keep that.
1: (laughs) Hey, sometimes you gotta lie to get what you want in life. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah so so his story basically um is that um when um the couple had died they were sold as a pair at an estate sale so a woman who purchased them she deals with antiques so she uh, brought them to her ant- her antique store and she put them on a shelf behind her register and they sat there for a good long time no issues whatsoever but the interesting thing was they sold her building So she had to pack up all of her stuff and move to another location. So she packed packed up the dolls separately, and she put them into storage. And when she got her new location, she pulled pieces. And she actually found him, but she didn't find the female counterpart. But she went ahead and put him on display uh, in a glass case behind the register. And that's when things started getting weird. She said she started having these weird sensations like somebody was always watching her, somebody breathing down the back of her neck. She said some days she'd even come in and find that his head would be turned. She said some days his eyes would be looking left or right. Now, what's interesting about his eyes is his eyes are actually spring-loaded. So when you play around with his eyes, to move his eyes left or right, you have to use this trigger. But once you let go of that trigger, his eyes automatically spring right back to the center. So they can't stay left or right unless you're holding on to the trigger. But there are days when, she, when she'd when she come in and find him looking to the left or looking to the right. I've experienced it myself.
1: I Maybe was just going to ask yeah. that. Yeah.
3: And then she said some days there'd be, you know, she'd come in and the glass case would be wide open. So, just went out
2: for a stroll. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's
3: just a lot of weird things He'll move around. Um, June, my VP, when we were in the pandemic and we had to shut down Spooked in Seattle, she actually kept him in her room. And she was having a lot of weird experiences where, you know, lights were turning on and off by themselves. Yeah.
1: We uh we just moved out of a house that was built in 1895 uh, here in Shelton. And um, we she, uh, my wife would say that when I would go to work and things, because I would work 12 hour days and I would sleep eight hours. So I was maybe basically awake for two hours before work and like an hour or two hours after work and like an hour before work. But she would see things that would like, you know, when like a picture comes off the wall, just drops, right. these ones would actually shoot out like a good couple feet and fall down. Wow. And it was, a, there was a lot of things that I would like, I'm one of those people. If I come in my in, in a room and an action figure is turned, even the littlest bit, I see it immediately. Like I notice it and it mostly as a joke, but for a long time, I'd come home like, who the fuck did you have over here and why were they touching my stuff? <laughs> and she's like, I swear to God, nobody was here. You know, and i touch
0: her. my drumsticks. there's a nick in one of them. <laughs>
1: yeah, <that's laughs> awesome. I'm, totally, I'm, I'm totally that guy. Like I'll see it immediately when I walk in the room and I'm like, What why was this touched? He's like, I swear to God, I didn't touch it. And uh and like I said, being the skeptic I am, I personally never witnessed anything. I would see stuff fall off the wall, and it happened a lot, like probably more than it really should um uh, mm-hmm. for anybody's house no matter when it was built um but yeah it was just always something that just kind of like she would always mention it to me i'm like i never see it and i just go to work and uh but yeah she would she would say like things would shoot off the wall like fly wow. at like you know a couple of feet and i was like that's that doesn't make sense that's weird wow sounds like
2: uh, a ghost needs to go Pay a visit to that house. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> They're remodeling it right now, so I don't. You know, that was Not probably the best time. So I think it's time, Ross. I think it's time to talk about Parasense. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, what can you let our viewers know? What Parasense is and how it became about.
3: You bet. So, um. Parasense was inspired after uh, a young man had uh, reached out to me uh, about his personal experience when he was working in an abandoned brothel. He was upstairs doing some sheetrock, and um, he was just standing there when something groped him. Ooh! And he's just like he was puzzled by this experience, you know, and. That was not the only time he had that experience in fact uh, he, he lived right next door to that brothel and he believed that whatever uh physically touched him followed him to his his house and there had been a few times when he'd be alone like in the shower something was you know fondling him in the bed and in the shower now this is not the first time i've heard of you know something like this i've had clients in the past tell me they've had been you know touched in various ways by ghosts and of course there was the very famous case of the entity case where a woman was you know physically you know raped by a ghost and so it was a, a situation that it's like yeah you know you can tell me these stories but how do i believe you you know i have to take your word um because it's only a personal experience that you've had and especially such a personal personal right. experience right. You know for me as an investigator it, it's interesting that you have these experiences but how do I as an investigator investigate this kind of a haunting? you know And so it really got me thinking it was like okay if people are being touched by ghosts in various different ways, how do you prove touch? And so I started, you know, going through my books to see if, you know, if anybody had ever done some experiments, you know, is there anything I can do out there, some sort of experiment that I can come up with and, and, and try to validate these encounters. And, and, and to my surprise, I couldn't find anything throughout history that anybody ever tried to prove touch. And, and then just one thing just led to another. It's like, okay, am I the first in history to actually take on this challenge? And if I'm going to take on this challenge, how do I do that? So this all started going on seven years ago and I started to realize, okay, here's some cool experiments that I can do that might be able to validate this. But if I'm going to try and improve touch, I need to see what's happening to the physical body itself, you know, because, um, you need to see what's happening to the muscles, to the skin. And so I realized, well, I'm going to need people to be naked and are they going to be willing to do this? And, and, and another thing that is just, I realized, you know, again, if you're trying to validate these experiences, if you're wearing clothes and you're saying, Oh, I felt something touch my back. Anybody in the scientific field is just going to roll their eyes at you because it becomes contaminated evidence because you had a shirt and they're just going to say, well, it could have been your shirt. It could have been a wrinkle in your shirt that just came out, you know, or, right or anything like that so you have to eliminate those contaminations and this is where it became the big challenge because now i realize okay people are are thinking i'm doing naked ghost hunting and and it's (laughs) not that you know i naked experiments um go back in history when you know scientists were trying to figure out how the physical body works you know how do muscles work you know how do we operate how do we lift how do we run how do we walk That all goes back to understanding the human body. And I kind of have to do the exact same thing. I have to understand what is happening to the the human body, to the flesh, when people are having these experiences. So nudity, just, you know, just feeling like, yeah, I I guess that's going to have to be the thing. And so then that's when I started taking naked people into these haunted locations where physical phenomena would happen. And I leave them alone in these rooms, and then the next step was, you know, setting up these experiments to see what was happening. And I was getting some interesting results with this, but still not enough that I could present this to science and say, hey, here's proof, Accept it," Because that's always been my challenge, you know, that's what, I'm, what that's what I strive for, is just to have some sort of evidence that's going to make anybody who is a skeptic, who is in the scientific field go, hmm, that is interesting. Okay, so I realized that there was some interesting things happening and I reached out to a, a gentleman that I had done a, a radio show called uh, Chad Goodwin. Uh, he had had me on his science you know, talk radio show that he had hosted and I thought, well, here's a guy in the scientific field. Maybe if I tell him what I'm doing, he can give me some ideas or maybe he might be able to help. You know, I didn't know where it was going to lead to. And the funny thing is, is when I told him what I was doing, he was like, wow, this is really interesting. And he wanted to be involved. And so I was like, this is amazing. You know, I can have somebody in the scientific field, you know, follow me around and help me, you know, to, to, to advance this research. And so we took the specter system, which he really loved. And we basically converted into four different systems. And now we set somebody in a chair. In the center of the room and we have these four devices one north east south and west so now we have a 360 um, reading of what's happening around them and we did some experiments and had some amazing results wow and so with all this information we put it together in a documentary and it just launched
2: and it is a fantastic documentary um, I picked it up on iTunes and gave it a watch, and I, I got to say, you know, that, like you were saying earlier, there's a lot of paranormal TV shows out there. There's, you know, Ghost uh, Taps, Ghost Hunters. There's Zach Baggins. What? But when you watch those things, you're like, it just feels like entertainment, right? Like, oh, cool, I'm watching a bunch of people run around screaming and they're yeah, scared. Yeah, it's
0: all very scripted,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching Parasense was a whole nother a whole nother experience like it felt real like it felt it didn't feel like a movie it it was just so well put together the the uh, experiments you guys did uh, were fantastic the stuff you the evidence that you showed was uh mind-blowing uh, i was like oh my god like the scratches mind-blowing and there there's one part there's one part that i watched that really just kind of stood out to me where, where credibility comes into play, right? Where it's like, when you look at a ghost hunter and you're like, you're either, you you look at a ghost hunter and I'm sorry for, if there's any fans out there, but you either look at him and go, that's Zach Baggins, who is not creditable, or you look at him and go, this is a credible person, which is where I put you. And the scene is, and I'm sorry, spoiler alert, but it's 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 a documentary, so it's still good. But spoiler alert, there's a there's a scene where you record a, a door being closed after everybody leaves. And if I was watching that scene uh, in any other documentary or any other show, I would have questioned it immediately. I would have been like, "That's probably staged." But when I watched it in your documentary. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" He just caught some badass evidence that I truly believe happened because you're that credible, and I, I it would that, that that spot just stood out so much to me, like just for the credibility of you, and I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cry <laughs>
0: for him, man. <laughs>
3: One of the things that uh, is hard when you're trying to, you know, put something like that together is you really want to be as transparent as as possible. But unfortunately, you know, you can't put a full, you know, 25-minute experiments so that people can see that this is not the magic of editing. This is what happened from A to B. You know, so right now, you just have to point out the highlights, and hopefully, the audience will accept what you have to offer as legit. Right. And one of the things that I really uh want to do with this research is, you know, we are trying to set up a website so that we can put the experiments out there, the full experiments. Still we have to blur everything, you know, for modesty reasons, but I want the experiments out there unedited. So that people can see this is what really happened during the experiments, the experiments. This is not the magic of editing and it makes us more transparent in what we're trying to present and you know another big challenge that we have is can we make science entertaining because most people are bored with the ones and zeros you know they they want to see the screams and they want to see the jumps and they you know they want to see the doors opening and closing and that's where it's another challenge for us because you know we've had the opportunities to get this out there to networks and they they've loved everybody has ever seen our research loves it and they do believe that we are doing something different that is groundbreaking but they're just so afraid that the audience is not going to accept it and i've also questioned that myself is the is the audience too far gone because they're so used to watching a lot of these i hate to say it crappy shows yeah
1: that and most people's attention spans for the time it takes to get from one jump scare to another you know right. regardless of whether it's valuable information they'll skip right through it in order to get to the next one
2: right well, and you bring up a good point with attention attention span Vlad the the timing on Parasense is fantastic like attention span is like it's not an issue like just the timing from when you go to like showing the investigation to talking about it, just from pace to pace to pace, the timing is phenomenal.
3: And, and that's one of the things that we learned when we were putting this together. You know, working with professionals in the field of you know putting shows together, we learned that you know you kind of have to keep the audience engaged at all times. They're they're right. not going to want to hear always the explanation of the science behind it, and that's frustrating for me because. I want to see the science behind it all <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things that you kind of have to give and take a little bit just to kind of fine-tune it and we're still trying to fine-tune it that's just we call that uh, the first one our origin story that, that and so we have all these great ideas that we want to do you know, as we started filming the next one because the research isn't done you know we we, we opened possibly the the eyes to that there's something out there We captured data that validates that when these individuals got scratched, something happened to them. Something physically showed up in the room. Something came into the room and immediately left. The data's there to prove it. So now we just gotta get more of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Is there anything that, uh, so we got, that's Parasense is available on iTunes. I think it's Amazon Prime, correct? Um, oh,
0: I have Amazon Prime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Most of us do these days, Michelle.
0: <laughs> don't burst my bubble.
2: I don't know what was so funny about that to me, but that was freaking hilarious. <laughs> Ooh, I,
3: I have Amazon Prime.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm funny dude.
2: Uh, and
3: if you don't have any of the, the streaming networks, you can also buy it on Amazon on DVD. Oh. And, oh. and Ross will sign it for you. Nice. Yes, In Blood is Extra. <laughs>
0: Ooh, okay, how much extra?
3: I have to that was Asking my second for a question. friend. We'll, we'll, we'll talk later. Okay, <laughs> so
1: you got that. We got Spooked in Seattle. That's in you said Pioneer Square. So, if anyone that's in the Seattle area or if you are going to be in Seattle, definitely check out Spooked. Is there anything else you want to plug while we uh, got you here?
3: Well, definitely Parasense. I'm hoping you know your audience will give it a chance. Check it out. Um, we're really, we'll know that they that if you're looking for something different, right? You know, give us a chance. And um, so de- definitely that, you know, check out my books, uh, you is, can always find my books on Amazon as well. Is there uh, a trailer for Paris that I can share yes. in our group? Is it on and YouTube? You can also go to our website, there is a website that we're working on called uh, touched by a ghost. Okay. So if you go to touch by a ghost, there's the um, the trailers up there.
2: As okay, well cool that web that website sounds kinky (laughs) ross
1: facebook users (laughs) stoked to watch it
0: yeah i am too i think that'll be the movie tonight you
3: know the biggest thing that your audience can do or if anybody watches it is please leave a review the reviews really do help boost it out there so that it gets tagged in with other shows so that people will see that it's out there as an option to watch
2: i'll leave my review tonight
3: awesome
1: well, Ross, we really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we could talk about ghosts forever, uh, and spirits and all those, all that fun stuff. Uh, Melissa Volen's going to go watch it, so and she's awesome. She's our number one fan. Thank you. Uh, so you can count on her for sure. But it was awesome having you on. I'm really happy that we were able to do this and I'm excited to go watch your movie now that Patrick already watched and I haven't. So I still
0: <laughs> yeah that's yeah, awesome such a small world
3: but
1: uh any parting words for us ross
3: all i have to say is if you're gonna go out there and ghost hunt please be safe yeah
1: safety's first yeah safety, awesome. safety first first spoke well thank, Spoken thank you from ross. man <laughs> thank we you, appreciate guys. you coming on thanks man anytime you have a great night guys
0: that was awesome.
1: Spooky ghost stuff. I like it. Yeah,
0: that was so mm-hmm. cool. He looks exactly the same as he did when we were teenagers, except no. for he's got facial hair now.
1: So. Somebody said that's a great show. I yeah. agree. Thank Ross you. Was awesome to have on. Too. Yeah. Super uh, fun. Yeah. So here's the thing I thought about for next week. Right. So I I spoke to um, uh, John Dugan. We're gonna have him on soon. He, okay. He, he asked for a rain check because he's busy next Monday. But I thought to myself, we've talked about Friday the 13th. We've talked about Halloween. We've talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Next week, can we please talk about the one and only Five Five Finger of Death? Not the band. Uh, Freddie. Uh, Frederick von Krugenstein. Sure. Frederick
2: von Krugenstein. <laughs> I'm sold.
1: <laughs> I mean, I figured there's, what, 11 teen movies we can talk about?
2: Yeah.
0: Something like that. There's, there's
2: plenty. Yeah. Melissa yeah.
1: says Melissa says,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Frederick von maybe, maybe I'll
1: maybe I'll break you out my glove.
0: No
2: <laughs> yeah, break out the <laughs> glove. I'll I'll wear my hoodie. I have a Frederick von Ron hoodie. Wait, right. what's his yeah. name? <laughs> Luke said oh uh Frederick Von oh wait. Krugenstein.
1: Krugenstein. <laughs>
2: Krugenstein,
1: Frederick von Krugenstein.
2: <laughs> uh, er- everybody who's watching right now, or, or who's going to watch the 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 replay of this, check out Ross's movie *Parasense*. It's fantastic. It's I can't speak enough for it. Um, it was such a great documentary. Check it out. Give it a five star review. He deserves it. He busts his ass in the paranormal community, and he. Uh, He's got a lot to show for it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited Will to do. watch it for sure. So nice next
0: fella. week,
1: Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Sounds Boom. great.
1: And Night. with that, folks, this is your host, Vlad the Rad, with my always good friends, good pals, good buddies, Michelle of the Dead and Paranormal Patty. <laughs> we'll see you this t- Wait, hold on. Somebody said something. Just added Parasense to my watch list. That's awesome. Boom. awesome. So with that said, until next week, we love you. You love us. Nightmare on Elm Street. Welcome to Prime Time, bitch. Be it. This week's episode is brought to you by Body Scare. All natural body care products so good they're scary.
0: What's going on?